Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, joined by Robert Kowalski. Robert, how are you doing today? Ali, I'm great. I am just dripping with the caffeine of the NBA right now, and I can't stop. <laughs> I know. We were so ready to get on this. We didn't even do any <laughs> small talk. So let's get right to it, and we'll start with probably the most entertaining series so far the Nets and the Celtics. I don't even know where to begin with this one. Why don't you, why don't you start this one? I, uh, it's, it's just so much drama in this one. I mean, if you just look at it just from the X's and O's, of course, you know, game one, you know, Boston only beat Brooklyn, you know, by one on that layup at the buzzer. Uh, they, they won rebounds pretty significantly, 43 to 29. Uh, turnovers were pretty much, right around the same, you know, but Brooklyn ended up still winning the two point shooting, uh, 57 to 54%. Their tray accuracy, uh, was 46 to 36%. Both of them were 19 of 24 from the free throw line with a nice steady pace. I, Ali, just like we, we looked at it, you know, pre series game one should have been game one of the Eastern conference finals. Yep. You know, I, I was so looking forward to Kyrie Irving's hand gestures in game number two. <laughs> and yesterday, what, what did we see? We just saw, I, I, don't, I don't even know what I saw. And, I, and I'm just watching the replay this morning of, of that game and, and then in Philly, Toronto. Uh, Boston rallies from 17 down. Mm -hmm. Two-point shooting was 64% to 46 uh, trays were pretty much the same 11 against 10 Brooklyn won the free throw battle 27 out of 34 to 25 out of 31. Both of them had 36 rebounds and 14 turnovers. Deuce accuracy was the difference, right? Boston was 28 of 44. Brooklyn was 25 of 55. Uh, again, with a, with a nice steady pace Celtics are up to nothing. How were they only down at 10 at the half alley? They, they yeah. shot the Nets shot 61% in the first half, 31% in the second half. It's crazy. And you know what? When I was watching that game yesterday, the Nets came out hot. They took a big lead at the beginning in the first quarter. I think the, at the end of the first quarter, they were up. I don't know if it, I think it was about either 10 or nine they were up by. And I was thinking to myself, okay, yeah, this is the Brooklyn Nets that I know. They're going to cruise. But Kevin Durant was just cold. Kyrie Irving was cold. I mean, their leading scorer besides Durant was what, Brown? Like, <laughs> I just don't think this team showed up. And it isn't even just the role players. It's the two main guys. It's Kyrie. It's Durant. And they're just not showing up for the playoffs. And I don't know if it's the coaching with Nash under, on helming them or if these are just two guys with two big egos and they can't put it together. And we were talking last week. And you, I think, mentioned it, how polished the Celtics are. And they're so well coached and they're so disciplined. And they just look like a team that even when they struggle, they just manage to mesh well with each other and run the plays they have to and listen to coaching and most importantly, play defense. And I think that's the big difference in this contest so far. That was such an exciting game one. I was watching it. I was home in Jersey still. Now I'm back in L.A., love being back in the warm weather, but um, that's another story. But I was watching that with my cousins and the rest of my family members on Easter Sunday. And when Tatum scored that game winning shot at the end, I was just like, 
that's a game changer. And <laughs> I actually, I actually did say, I'm like, I actually regret picking the nets for this series <laughs> because I was like, that's just like, and you know what? He was so humble after the shot and it just erased the big story that, you know, Kyrie flipped off to all the Celtics fans. Cause in the end, Kyrie looked like the punk and Tatum looked like the hero. So I think it's just a matter of makeup of both teams. You know, like I said, you have a well-polished team like the Celtics who are just, they're playoff ready. You know, it, it looks like they came into the postseason knowing that they were a hot team, knowing what their strengths were, knowing what their weaknesses were. And Brooklyn just looks like a team where it's let Kyrie do whatever he wants with the ball, let Durant do whatever he wants with the ball. And that's it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, you nailed it, Ali. Steve Nash, you, you could put a, a mannequin, you know, on the bench right now. It really doesn't matter because right. he's not, he's not doing anything significant to, to sway the way the team is playing. Uh, Curry's not getting any shots off. You forget about any shots off. He can't even get any plays set for himself. Yeah. And, and that's going to be, you know, it's very significant as, as we look towards, you know, game number three, but I mean, when we looked at the, in the entirety of, of game one and then in game two, I knew that defense was going to be you know, the, the biggest part of Boston's makeup and, and whether they win or lose this series. Well, I mean, as we could see, defense travels yep, <laughs> and, does. And, and boy, does it. So, so we, we looked again at game number two, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was 0 for 10 in the second half with six turnovers in the game. You know that he's 13 of 39 with 12 turnovers in these two games. Awful. Tatum is blocking KD jump shots. That's never been done before. Never. And, and, he, and it's happening. And, you know, and just from all the stats that I've been just bouncing around in my head from all of the NBA playoffs, the one that jumps out the most significant, I, I from 11.38 left in the game to 1.53 left, that's nine minutes and 45 seconds, the Brooklyn Nets scored four points. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And that's not how you <laughs> win a series. I'm sorry, but it isn't. You know, you can struggle in the first half. We've seen teams do it. We've seen teams been able to come back. But you can't struggle when it matters. You can't struggle in that fourth quarter. You can't struggle in overtime. That's what people remember. They don't remember what you did in the first quarter. They don't remember what you did in the second quarter. They remember when the game was on the line, did you make the shot or not? You know, you could look at even last year when they were playing the Bucks in game seven. What shot do people remember? They remember Durant making that two-pointer that was, what, half an inch from being a three-pointer? That would have gave him the win. Right. So it's what you do at the end of the game. And like you said, Durant hasn't shown up for it. He has, I mean, he hasn't shown up for the whole series so far, but he definitely hasn't shown up when it matters. And his team gave him the lead, but despite how bad, how poorly he was playing. And if you look at the Celtics, I was actually just looking at the box score, which I didn't even recognize until now. Everyone except one of their guys that of the eight-man rotation they played that night, last night, had double-digit points. And that just goes to show that they are so disciplined and they don't mind sharing the ball and they like to, you know, they'll run the plays that they have to. I think the series is over. I honestly do. I think the Nets will win a game, 
maybe they win two games at home and tie it up two two. But honestly, you know, I'm I'm gonna switch my pick, even though I can't in our office pool. But uh, it will affect how I bet going forward. I think this is Boston series to lose now. What about you? So, all right, Ali, if I gave you a price, right, just to win the series, forget about the title right now. That's right. But that's out of the question. If, if I gave you three to one that the Nets come back and win the series, would you buy? Oh, put me on the spot right here. You know, right now, them down 2-0. I think, and going home. Yeah, I think I would take the shot. I mean, even though I just said that, you know, I think this is the Celtics series to lose and I would switch my pick at that price. There's just something about the Nets going home. And I actually wrote, I wrote an article the other day of my top tips for betting the NBA postseason, which we're going to get into our tips later. But one of the things is I love betting on teams when they're down 0-2 and game three is in their home court. There's just something about the crowd that sways the difference and everything. So at three to one, I would take the nets. I would, I would, would you? That's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, look, if, if you're just playing margins alone, I think, you know, that's the price that we were seeing at one point for them to win the title. Wow. Forget about the series, you know, but I mean, look, it's, it's what's freshest in our minds. It's what we see today and we see the results and the replays everywhere. And it's tough to shake off, but you've got that. You've got, you know, you know more help coming possibly uh, in, in game number four right. with Simmons. I don't know how that's going to shake up the dynamic of the team. Personally, if I had to, you know, make a thought right now, I think it actually makes them worse because now they got to find shots for him. Uh, yep. But it's, it's tough. It's tough, you know, and, and I think right now Boston's got, like you said, Ali, they've got every single cylinder clicking perfectly and it's going to be very very difficult for Brooklyn to come back to win the series yeah it definitely is I I think you know even though I would take the three to one odds I do think it is a long shot but I would take the value that I'd be getting with them but I think the Celtics right now are the favorite not only to beat the Nets but like you were saying earlier I think they're the favorite to represent the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA Finals so I think the Celtics are the hot team out of every team I've watched in the Eastern conference, including the heat, the Celtics have impressed me the most this, this postseason so far. I know we're only two games in, in each series for the most part, but still, I mean, the Celtics, uh, they just, and this is a team, you know, after they let Kemba Walker go this, this off season and everything, did anyone give the Celtics a legit chance of, of doing anything this season? I, do you remember? No, no. Yeah. Like the first two months was just like total permafrost. Like there was, you had nothing going for them. Yeah, no. So it'll be interesting to see the rest of the way. I know I, this is the series that I'll, I'm sure everyone in America is going to be watching the most of in the first round. And it has that feel of like an Eastern conference finals or an NBA finals just the dynamic between both teams, you know, the animosity Kyrie Irving, obviously is the X factor, but I mean, he looks like a fool after that. How many times is he going to go into the Celtics? And we know he has bad blood with his former team, you know, last year, I think it was last year where he went into mid court and stomped on the leprechaun right. logo. And this year flipping off the bird, like, come on, dude, just, just play ball at this point. Like you don't have anything to show for besides the one, finals you won with LeBron so 
I think he needs to step it up. But I know we could talk about the series all day and we should move on. So let's go to the next exciting series, which again, my pick was the Raptors. Um, I thought they would come back being at home last night. They looked good the entire game until overtime. And once the game did end in regulation, they were going to overtime. I just said to myself, man, I don't see the Raptors winning this. And now being down 3-0, I think it's a gentleman's sweep coming up. I think they do win game four, send it back to Philly, and Philly wins. What about you? Yeah, you know, Allie, we, we talked about Toronto as as pretty much the live, livest? Is that a word? The, the, the most live dog in any series. And yep. uh, it's, no, no, no. And, and, and so based on what you mentioned with, with handicapping, uh games and series that you know the, the i call it the zigzag you know and you want to come in and, and play the home team uh after their two games on the road in in the great spot and boy did they look great after the first half but uh you know in the end you know you just break everything down as you know one and a half in some cases a two-point favorite they won at toronto in overtime uh they won two-point shooting 58 to 49 percent free throws 15 against 12 out-rebounded them 46 to 32. By the way, in the series, they've been out, Toronto's been out-rebounded by 23 already. Wow. Uh, Toronto won the turnovers 22 to 10. So you can see where that first half was completely unraveling for the 76ers. Both of them made 13 trays, a very slow pace uh, for the game and a very slow series. <sighs> Super elite Embiid. He, he, yeah. he hits that late fall away tray. Uh, and now it's three nothing. And by the way, that was like their first lead. They didn't lead until overtime, uh, and just shows you how much Toronto had, you know, pounded them into the sand uh, until you know the very very end. So, um, fun stat time, Ali. Let's play the game. All right. Um, so we now have Toronto down 0-3 in the series. That's their deficit. Um, how many teams in the NBA have come back successfully after being down 0-3? Oh, I know this one. This is zero. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I'm telling you, we need imaging. Where's my soundboard? Right? They are 0-143 in the NBA. Yeah, it's been done in baseball. It's been done in the NHL. But the NBA, 0-143. So uh, the price that I put up for Toronto to win the series uh, – Probably not going to get any bites, despite them being 40 to one to win the series. Wow. Yeah, I'm not buying it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, and I'm a Red Sox fan. So believe me, in 2004, you know, that was our big year. And I might have just put money on those odds just for being a Red Sox fan back then. <laughs> it was only 16. I wasn't betting. But yet. But no, um, no it, the Raptors aren't going to come back in this series. And it's a shame because I really do like the makeup of this team. But I think what it goes to show you more with the 76ers is how, you know, Joel Embiid, he's just a bona fide MVP at this point. He's just been so good. And this team, you know, Harden's just kind of in the background on this team right now, it seems. Yeah, he hasn't really like stuck out for me. It's just Embiid's team. And I think Harden does better when he's, you know, a 1A, 1B to a 1A with Embiid. And I don't know if I see the chemistry there yet, but Embiid has the ability to take over the game, and he has done that, and we've seen it. 
And this is a dangerous team going around. I mean, I really didn't give the 76ers that much credit until I really watched them closely. And I guess that's my fault too, because like I said, I'm not a huge NBA regular season watcher. You know, I, I keep up with the standings and everything, but watching Embiid play, you know, without Simmons, the court just opens up for him. And I think that's the best thing that the Sixers could have done was trading Ben Simmons. You know, Harden was a nice piece to the puzzle, but clear out the path. You know, we all know Simmons can't shoot more than a jumper. This was a good mid post mid season trade for them. They moved on from trying to make Simmons and Embiid work and it's showing right now. What do you think? Yeah, def- it's definitely showing. I mean, at the end of game one, where uh, the 76 ers shot 50% from, you know, the three point range, they won the fast break points 29 to 10. It was basically all the way around. And the fact that the 76 ers scored 131 points on like 90 possessions. Yeah. It just doesn't, I was like, okay, so is, am I just wrong? Are the 76ers really, really this good? Or, is, you know, Toronto really, really this bad. Right. So, yeah, you know, after watching game two and now game three. So we, we, we know the Sixers, the Sixers are going to be a, a very, very live pick for the Eastern conference final. Yeah. Yeah. I really like them now. I don't know what they could do in the next rounds. I think they would, what would they face the heat? Is that yeah, it? They, they would face the heat and Oh my God, it's going to break the internet alley. Yeah. That that'll <laughs> be, that'll be a fun series to watch <laughs> Miami and Philly. I, I'm really excited for that. And Boston and Milwaukee will be fun to watch too, but you know, you're not going to get, you know, the animosity that I think you're going to get with the characters that are on both the heat and the, and the Sixers, you know, I'd love to see Jimmy Butler return to Philly and really give the fans a show. Uh, I don't know if they beat the heat, but we'll talk about that once, you know, series are clinched, but I'm really excited. And then we could just gloss over the next uh, series, you know, Bucks, I mean, they're in a little bit of trouble. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they they sustained some significant injuries last night. I really thought that they would win. I mean, the spread was minus 10 entering the game against Chicago, and they get beat. I mean, how did the books do with that? No, no, we did uh, quite, quite well. Uh, yeah. It was, just, it was just an assumption. It was uh, almost uh, – you know, a, a free square in some cases for, for betters that were coming in to play the Bucks, And, uh, you know, the upset was, was live from the very beginning. Uh, I, Hallie, what if Chicago wins the series? Well, we better not show up to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've got, the Bucks have 31 turnovers in the first six quarters of playoff yeah. basketball, 31 and Chris Middleton, I mean, he's you know, Budenholzer says he's out. He's going to be out for three weeks. Yeah, that's that's a tough loss. I mean, so, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think that this is going to be a an automatic move on to the next round series for the Bucks. To be honest, no. And it's interesting because I remember last year, you know, working with our CEO, who full disclosure, he's a huge Bucks fan. That's why I said I'd fear going into work the next day. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, when, when Giannis went down, I remember at the end of the one series last year, what was it? The Hawk series. Right. We didn't even know if he was going to be in for the finals. And not only was he there for the finals, he came back that Hawk series. That's and true. without him coming back, I still think they beat the Hawks. 
but they definitely don't be Phoenix. Now, Chris Middleton's no Giannis, but he's the, he's part of their trio with Giannis and Drew Holiday. So I think if Middleton is out, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of points to make up. And one thing is, I don't think the Bucks have the depth on their bench that they had last season. This, this is an interesting series now heading back to Chicago. It's like the home court advantage now turns into the Bulls' favor. What do you think happens, Robert, if when we go back to Milwaukee, Chicago's up three to one? Well, it's yeah, So now you have to think about this from, from a betting perspective, Allie. You're either looking at the best price of all time for the Bucks to win this series against the Bulls, or yeah, well, I, I don't think that you're going to get, you know, the, the value that you could have at the start of the series. But right, right now, the Bucks are 260 to win 100 to win the series. Uh, without Middleton, are you, um, are you buying or selling at minus 260 for the Milwaukee Bucks? Wow, it's a, putting me on the spot right here. I hope Mark Thompson. Yeah. Uh, I'm still going to go with the Bucks. I mean, Chicago, they've just been on a slide the past few months, and they have their injury problems. And we talked about it last week in our podcast that they're just one or two twisted angles away from someone, you know, DeRozan, Levine, like really getting hurt. They're a very injury prone team. So I don't think I could, I could pull the trigger at this point that Chicago wins the series, especially not tied one-to-one. I think that there's a good chance that they do split the series in Chicago and it comes back two to two, but even, you know what, even if I, if they're down, if the bucks are down, three to one in the series. I, I, I just don't see it. I really don't see it. And the, I know we're not getting really great value with the bucks or Chicago right now, but I'm still going to side with the bucks. How about yourself? That's, that's fair, right? No doubt. I mean, they, they absolutely have to address all these turnovers. You're not, you're not going to forget about, you know, forget about winning the championship. You, you might have a problem winning the series or even advancing to the Eastern Conference, because if you're going to keep turning the ball over, it's going to lead to really easy points uh, on the other end of the floor. You know, I mean, this, I wouldn't call the series a slow pace right now, uh, you know, but I mean, look, in game one, Milwaukee led by 16 in the first quarter. Chicago was up by five by the end of the third quarter. It was just a really weird game that Milwaukee ended up, you know, I mean, look, they won, but they didn't cover the spread of 10 and a half right. is what it closed. And, uh, you know, it came back Chicago. I mean, look, I think that if Middleton played the entirety of the game, uh, I, th- I think Milwaukee wins this. I honestly do right now. I am not, I just don't have the confidence in Milwaukee no. as, as much as I did at the start of this. And, you know, between, uh, no more Middleton and all these turnovers, uh, there's a, a very, very alarming, alarming concern for them winning the title. Yeah. We'll see how they make an adjustment. I mean, Last year, they did make several adjustments throughout the playoffs, especially when they were down to Phoenix at the beginning of the finals. So they are a team that could turn it up. And Giannis is a guy, like we were just talking about, Embiid, that can just totally take over the game. And I don't think the Bulls have that with DeRozan or anyone else on the roster. So I'm still going to side with the Bucks, But right now, I'm glad I didn't pick them to win the finals. Uh, I picked the Warriors to win, but we'll get to that later on. But I know, we man, we just keep talking and talking and flies. <laughs> but I don't want to spend too much time on the Heat and the Hawks. I, I think the Heat just looked that good. 
and I don't see Atlanta, you know, getting past. Maybe they win a game at home, but I think this is a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. What about you? It's a sweep, and, and the only stat that I want to go ahead and let the listeners know about is that the Heat just improved to 60-31 and 31 against the spread as a playoff favorite wow. under Eric Spolstra, including 9-0 and 0 in their last nine. It's just sick. I wouldn't take Atlanta in, in any sense here, no matter what. No, no. I'm, I'm right with you on that. And, you know, I didn't have Atlanta even making it past the play-in, but, you know, they made it past a few other not-so-good sure. teams. So give them props for getting there, but this is, like I said, or like we both said, it's a sweep, maybe a gentleman's sweep, maybe the Heat get lazy game four, but I think the Heat are that good, and they're going to give Philly a really tough time in the next round. So we'll see, unless, you know, the Bucks lose. So we'll see what the, <laughs> what the matchups are going to be if Chicago goes and plays the Heat. But let's move on to the Western Conference Finals. And I want to start with uh, one that got my eye open was uh, when New Orleans the other day beat Phoenix. What do you think about that series? Right. So we, we that was, you know, quite the upset, uh, you know, late Tuesday night. They won uh, 125 to 114. Uh, they won the tray battle. Uh, they shot 57% from three, 17 out of 30 to 13 out of 35. Free throws was pretty much the same, 16 against 15. Out-rebounded the Suns, 43 to 33. Um, they, Phoenix had the two-point shooting edge, 59 to 54%. Uh, and the turnovers were in their favor, 17 to 12, of course. You know, the, the big question now, uh, Booker. He had 31 points in 25 minutes before leaving with a strained hamstring. And uh, if you ever had a grade one hamstring strain like I did uh, playing baseball, it's, it's going to hurt. Uh, there's a pop. There was a pop. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, sure, and it, could you look normal walking? Yep you know, with, with the incredible athleticism that Booker possesses, you know, walking on a grade one, not a problem. Go ahead and and try jumping. Go ahead. (laughs) So he's, he's out. And now I think we can really consider New Orleans as possibly winning this series. Yeah. I was just going to ask you what the series prices are on that one. (laughs) I might make a play, but if you're looking at it right now, live, uh, the Pelicans are now down to 240. So bet 100, win 240, get paid 340. Uh, it, it, there's a significant push on them right now to win this series, which is quite incredible. Yeah, and you know what? If we were talking last week about avoiding betting the eight seed to beat the number one seed, but in one, if there's a sport where injuries matter more than anything, it's basketball when you only have your starting five in the bench. And you, you, you lose a guy like Devin Booker, who's basically, let's, let's be honest, that's, that's the heart and soul of the Suns team. And if he can't play at 100%, there's no way Chris Paul's taking it over. And Chris Paul can get injured at any point of this game. So the Pelicans are definitely a play. I think that Brandon Ingram really is coming out and establishing himself as a prominent player in the league. CJ McCollum, we've seen, you know, for years behind Damian Lillard with the Trailblazers. The guy's just consistent and they form a very good duo together. And if they can outshoot the Suns, like you said, this, this series, can the Pelicans really upset the defending West Western conference champions, Robert? Yeah, definitely. 
Wow. There's there's a chance um, without Booker, absolutely. Um, so that that again, you you would hope to have a crystal ball and and know what could have happened uh, because the price on um, the Pelicans to win the series after Game One, you know where the Suns you know coasted to victory, uh, you you could have gotten ten to one on your on your price, eleven to one I remember. Now. Uh, you know, again, that this is why we were kind of talking a little bit about, you know, what's best to, to, you know, wager on, you know, is it best to, you know, bet, you know, game to game or bet on the series. Here's where, you know, betting a dog, regardless of, you know, how much you think there's a chance, uh, just sometimes just makes sense. I mean, you'll never, ever predict a key injury to, uh, you know, a, a perennial all-star, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. I'm really curious how the series plays out and Booker status. I didn't have Phoenix going really that far in the playoffs. Like I said earlier, I have Golden State winning it all and winning the Western Conference as it is. I just I think Phoenix actually was one of the weaker teams last year in the Western Conference, and they just got lucky with injuries. We saw in the series against the Clippers when Kawhi went down even in the Lakers series when Anthony Davis went down, I think they got really lucky to get to the finals. So I'm not really that high on them. And like you said, with Booker down, that just, that destroys any chance that they have of even advancing past, like you said, like this round. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, but we do have more series that I want to get with too. And just time keeps flying as it always does. But let's talk about another potential player coming back from injury and that's Luca. What do you think? Is he coming back this series? You know, I've been keeping my eyes on our board and our ticker all throughout, even, you know, right now, as we're, as we're discussing and, you know, injuries just keep popping up. I mean, in a completely unrelated series, and we were just talking about it, it looks like um, uh, Bam Adebayo's hurt now. Now he is a quad injury and he's going to be, you know, I mean, he still has a day, but he's now questionable for Friday versus Atlanta. So if you're looking at it from a game perspective, uh, all those Miami Heat one-and-a-half-point uh, lines are starting to shrink down to one. And as far as uh, Luka Doncic, there's no doubt he's definitely not playing in game number three. The Jazz at one point um, shrunk down to only a six-point favorite for game number three. Uh, and, and that was with news that you know Luka was testing and seeing if he can, you know, move as, as well as he did. And it looks like he, you know, pretty much told coach he's, he's not going to be, he's not going to be good. As a matter of fact, he's probably not going to play. So not only did the line move back to seven, it's now seven and a half. So he's going to be out for game number three, Thursday night. Yeah. And it's interesting because if he came back into this matchup right now, this is the perfect time. The series is back in Utah. Dallas did what they needed to do without him. They got a win at home. All they would have to do is split the series with, with Utah in Utah. And you have a 2-2 series. And with Luka back in, you know, I think the this, this series favor shifts to the Mavericks. But this is such a blow to them to not have him back. And it's a shame because we're really being deprived of one of the young talent, being able to take over a team like Giannis, like Embiid. But if, if Luka's able to come back for game four, and if the Mavericks somehow win tonight, I mean, that's that's Dallas's series to lose. But again, you have to factor in: is Luca going to come back and be a hundred percent? 
Is he going to play at 80%? Is he going to play at 70%? We don't know. But I will say the Utah Jazz are being what the Utah Jazz are that I thought they would be. They're a regular season team. And when it comes to the postseason, I don't know what it is with Donovan Mitchell, with Rudy Gobert. It's just like they can't break out of that regular season mentality. And they kind of shrink when it comes to the playoffs. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't know what it is with the team, and I don't know what it is with the way they're, they're structured. I mean, look, <laughs> Mavericks took 47 threes. <laughs> 47 threes, and, and they hit 22 of them. I mean, at some point, you got to say to yourself, eh, maybe they're going to take a three here. <laughs> I mean, the Mavericks were only up 104 to 102 with 240 left. Both, both games in the series were tight late. Yeah. You know, you launch 47 three-pointers. It's kind of going to help you avoid bad passes. So I, I, I think they kind of missed a really, really huge tip on the way this team is going to play. And I think it's not going to be any different uh, when, you know, they tip tonight. I, I just think that they're going to keep bombing away because really what else, you know, could they look to, to say, how are we going to beat the Utah Jazz? Well, you know, if, if you know you're going to get out rebounded, which is quite likely, just keep firing it up. You know, I mean, you're going to hit that many threes. Again, I don't know, but it's probably going to be the only way they win. Yeah, don't give Rudy Gobert a chance to rebound. That's that's basically what it comes down to. And I think after this year, if the if the Utah Jazz can't beat Dallas without Luca or even missing Luca for part of the series, something has to be done to that team. Like you got to completely blow up that entire roster because we've seen the past few years this team come in with such high expectations after having stellar regular season. And they just totally collapse in the postseason. And I don't know what it is. I guess just some teams aren't built for it, <laughs> Gonzaga. <laughs> but, <laughs> 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 well done. But Apple. yeah, there you go. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, I still think Utah does win the series because I think even if Luca does come back, he's not going to be 100%. And maybe he has one game where he totally goes off at, goes off, but. I really don't see them. I think Utah will either win both games in Utah without them or split it. And even if it goes back to Dallas with Dallas home court advantage, if they don't have a hundred percent Luca, I'm still siding with the jazz. What do you think? Yeah, no, you're good. You're good there. Absolutely. And uh, you know, with, with a shortened series now uh, you're looking at the jazz as a two fifty favorite to win the series. So wager two fifty to win a hundred, get paid three fifty. It's yeah. about, that's about as, as low as you'll get. Um, when the series started, they were uh, about 240 to 230. Uh, so with, with the series a lot tighter uh, and them needing to win one less game in the series to advance, uh, that's pretty much as, as best a value you could have from a betting perspective, uh, you know, with the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would, I would still side with the Jazz. It's not great value. I'm not betting the series at, at, as of this point, especially with Luka's status up in the air. But we will move on to who I said I'd like to win the entire Western Conference Finals and the entire Finals as a whole, and that's the Golden State Warriors. And I will say that they through the first few games, they've just impressed me. Like I think this team is meshing right where they were when they were a dynasty, even before Durant. I really like their makeup. I really like how their chemistry has settled back in, even after Clay Thompson missing two years, Steph Curry missing some time with injury, and Draymond coming back. What, what are your thoughts on this series so far? 
I, I think that they're doing so much with so little right now. Huge, huge offensive efficiency marks right now for, for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, game, game one, when they won 123 to 107, they shot 57% from two-point range, 16 out of 35 from three. Got to the line significantly better than Denver, 21 out of 29 from the free throw line. Even out-rebounded Denver, 41 to 35. Uh, you know, late Monday, you know, winning by 20. Again, 66% taking two-point shots, 17 out of 40 uh, from three-point land. And it, it's just more of the same. Uh, you know, there's some internal differences, you know, in, in both of those games. But, you know, it's just similar dominance for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and Curry scored 34 points last game coming off the bench. He played 23 minutes and he got 34 points. Like, is that guy just crazy or what? He's, he's, he's going to be he's going to be an instant, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. And then that's not even not even up for discussion, Allie. No, he had a plus minus of 32 last night or whenever the last time they played. And for me, I'm just like, oh, man, this team, it's just when you have those three playing together, Green, Thompson, and Curry, that's just – it's hard to stop them. And they've been the team in the Western Conference I've really been impressed with the most. And, you know, it's really helping the fact that I picked them to win it all. But I've just been totally impressed with them. And Denver, you know, I I think that besides Jokic, they just – they don't have anyone. I mean, you know, they don't have a solid number two. I don't even think they have a solid number three at this point. It's just a bunch of players surrounding Jokic and he can only do so much. He can't shoot from three. He can only really get two pointers. He couldn't rebound. But when you have a team like Golden State where Curry and Thompson could just shoot up threes nonstop, Jokic isn't getting a rebound. So I think the series could potentially be a sweep. Maybe a gentleman sweep. Maybe Denver picks up one or two, one game at home. What about you? All right. So I, I put up a price for, uh, of, of course, I keep updating the series odds uh, after each game. So right now I am the absolute highest. I, I know in Nevada, I don't know for the rest of the country. I've got Denver 12 to one to win the series. Wow. Uh, buying or selling, Allie? Oh, I'm selling. At, yeah, at 12 to 1, you're not. So even at that highest of prices, you have no interest. No interest. Can't blame you. No, it's just, I don't see it. I, I really don't. I think this is a team. We talked about being a playoff team with Utah. Golden State's a playoff team. I mean, they've been it from, what, 10 years now, just being a playoff team and just coming together and knowing how to win. So I'm not, no, not biting, not biting. But before we get to some tips, let's just quickly gloss over the last matchup in the Western Conference Finals, and that's the Timberwolves, and that's the Grizzlies. I will say I wasn't overly surprised that the T-Wolves upset the Grizzlies in Game 1. It just looked like the Grizzlies came out flat. You know, they don't have a ton of playoff experience. It kind of looked like they just were caught not being prepared, and then they came back in Game 2 and ran away with it. What are your thoughts of the series so far? Yeah, they did. And, you know, Memphis, you know, they, they really came back to thump the Timberwolves in game number two, uh, you know, just from, you know, from the game perspective, it, you know, the turnover battle, I think is what was a really, really huge significant factor in, in Memphis's victory there. Uh, 
the, the pace was still quick. It was a little bit slower than in game one, but I mean, boy, the game stayed way under the total by 20 uh, from, from my closing line in game number two. The series tied 1-1. I took a, a really good significant chunk on the, the Timberwolves to win the series at, at, at plus 240. Uh, you know, so there's, there's obviously public interest still in them winning the series. I mean, Memphis is a number two seed for, you know, for a reason, obviously. But you know, is, is this just the Timberwolves coming back into form, staying in form? Well, after seeing the results of game two, I, I, I'd like to, you know, reconsider that. I, I still think this is Memphis's series, uh, you know, and, and it's not going to be, I don't, I don't think it goes seven alley. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the T-Wolves are such an inconsistent team and their record from the regular season proves it. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, he can have a banging night. The next night he can come and just totally disappear. D'Angelo Russell, same thing. You know, he's a hit or miss. So I just think this is an inconsistent team that got lucky in game one that caught Memphis, you know, unprepared, like I mentioned earlier. And I'm with you. I don't see the series going more five, six games, maybe. But even then, I'm just I think that that Memphis has it under control. And T-Wolves were just totally disappointing in game two. You know, you have a 1-0 series lead. You're playing, you have the chance to go up 2-0 and go back to your home court. And you just had a showing like that where you got 96 points in the entire matchup. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not buying Minnesota. I'm for Memphis on this one, 100%. Yeah, Taylor Jenkins definitely made the adjustments on Tuesday and, uh, you know, it, it led to that blowout. So uh, I just think that right now, they're they're definitely they're, they're definitely going to be causing an, an awful lot of chaos with this uh, small ball lineup that just throttled Minnesota throughout the game. Yeah, and it'll be interesting then in the next round of matchups, uh, you know, to see who Memphis plays. But I think they're they're just a team still too young. They really have a lot of potential in them going further, but I think they're a year or two away from making a serious uh, deep run. They got lucky playing Minnesota with a seven seed because the Clippers being without Paul George really hurt them. And they, you know, they, I mean, they didn't, weren't going to play Memphis anyway, but I think the Timberwolves are lucky to get in. Memphis is lucky to play the Timberwolves, but so far, you know, it's a, it's been a great NBA playoffs and it's, I'm glad that it does go two months. I know some people say that it's, it just drags out going from April and then we don't get a champion until June or some cases even it stretches out further, but I really enjoy the NBA playoffs. And I think that this should be a case that the regular season should be, I'm all for trimming games off the regular season and condensing it. I'm for letting less teams in the NBA playoffs, even though that's against all the TV ratings logic. But if I were commissioner, I do less regular season games, limit the amount of teams that can get into the playoffs because then this is really, you look at the Nets and Celtics series, this is really basketball at its finest. So what are your thoughts about potentially changing anything, Robert? Yes, um, I'm with you on board, please. I'm waving the flag on both of them. And I'd actually like to add one more. Sure. Uh, uh, opening round, instead of seven, make it a best of five. Yeah, I was actually just gonna, was just thinking that because I like how MLB would do it with the wildcard game before they change their format. But there's no reason why number one and a number eight seed should have a best of seven series. No way. 
no way. Totally with you on that. <laughs> but we still have a few minutes left. So I want to actually ask our resident GM some, to give the audience some tips for betting the NBA. So let's start with the money line betting. Do you think it should be a primary or a secondary option compared to the spread? Well, Ali, I think if, if you're looking at betting NBA, you have to consider both, especially when you, when you make your own number and you find that the underdog is actually the favorite in, in your book and in the way that you have the game playing itself out. So always consider both when you're looking at you know, the game from a betting perspective, because if you've got, uh, you know, for example, if you've got Chicago as a, a significantly far closer uh, matchup to Milwaukee than, than the 10 point spread calls for, then, well, okay, obviously you have a play on the points. And if you actually think that they've got a very live chance to win the game, then sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. Not a full unit. Uh, let's just call a unit, what it, let's just today, let's just call it $10. Right. So if you're going to play the Chicago Bulls uh, on the spread for a unit, perhaps you play the money line for half a unit. Right. And so you can make it a, a profitable day. Uh, if Chicago wins the game, uh, you make it doubly profitable for yourself. Right. I'm a spread better. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a big money line better. I think that sometimes like I just look at the money line and I think the NBA is such a toss up. I like points. You know, I've said it on many of our episodes before. I like getting points. Yes. In the NFL, I'll take the money line sometimes just because I hate when it's like that three point spread. But when it comes to basketball, I'm a total spread better. And even with favorites, I'll lay points. I'll lay points with Golden State all the time in this series. And I mean, in this playoffs altogether. But we'll move on to the spread betting. What do you, what do you, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Are you more to side with favorites or underdogs with the spread? Yeah, no doubt. No, if, if, if I just went just in general, my default setting is to catching plus points. Uh, <laughs> uh, with that being said, uh, Eric Spolstra, once again, <laughs> don't, bet against him uh, right. you want to bet you know on Miami Heat in the playoffs with with the point spread and actually I very rarely do this but we were talking a little bit about the Warriors I uh if you're finding that one and a half still boy do I like that side uh laying laying one and a half uh with the Warriors yep against Denver's just uh, I, I feel a really strong play I think that would be my only position if I had to make one tonight uh, but yeah. yes, spread betting, absolutely look, look towards catching it. Uh, but, you know, again, you break the game down. If you just see this really one way and one way only lay the points, you know, don't ever get yourself into a position when you're, uh, you know, laying, you know, heavy wood on the money line, because that's just only going to, you know, lead to disaster just from, you know, your pocketbook. Yeah. And we saw it even last night with the bulls and the bucks, the bucks were 10 point favorites. Yes. I don't even want to know what that money line was. And I feel bad for the souls that bet the money line because that, <laughs> that totally went down to, yes. to waste, but I'm with you. I take, I, and I, I look at home court advantage too. I know that the nuggets are, have the home court advantage tonight, but the, the, the warriors are just playing so good right now that I just can't see anyone betting them, but I do normally like taking home underdogs. That's one of my favorite plays of any sport. If you give me a home, if you give me a home team that I get points with, I'm 99% of the time taking them. How about you? 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And that's something that you want to look at, you know, from, you know, if there's a, a home court advantage in the playoffs uh, in the NBA, yeah, without a doubt. And, and this is where I, I touched on earlier, you know, consider that zigzag, you know, if, if they're down 0-2 and then they're coming back home, I mean, sure, is the number going to be, you know, you know, baked in with that particular angle? In some cases, yes, but, you know, you, you definitely want to consider a home court advantage and, and how it plays, you know, on the flip side of the series when they return home, yeah. uh, as we see in, in so many instances. Totally, totally. As a dog, as a dog at home, yeah, absolutely. I, oh. I, I, I like that plenty. It, that's music to my ears when I get a home dog. That's, I don't, sometimes, I mean, yeah, yeah, football, especially toward the end where it's like, I'm not going to bet like Jacksonville at home. But, you know, most most of the time you give me a good team getting points at home. Ah, that's that's my favorite thing to bet. <laughs> but I also like betting the totals. I do. Um, the NBA, though, is tough. And I, that's why I really want to get your perspective on this, because when you compare the NBA to college college, I almost always take the over because especially when you get into March Madness and you get into the nitty gritty last two minutes. It's foul central teams are racking up the points with free throws, but what do you think is the big, the biggest difference betting the totals in the, in the NBA game versus college basketball? Oh, no, without, without a doubt. I mean, we have, again, with, with all of the things considered from a bookmaker's perspective, a lot of it's already baked in and uh, the things that we, we looked at, of course, you know, the shot clock difference, uh, the time of regulation, you know, and of course all that's already baked in the game one market totals from low to high in the NBA. We're looking at, you know, 208, 216, 220. Uh, there's some 229 to 237. And then the scoreboard sums from low to high. I mean, we had a, a, as low as a 179, a high as of 247. So early on, it's, you know, pretty much right down the middle with overs and unders. I think there was four against four early on. Uh, the median is a smidge lower than the market price. And the thing that you want to always keep your eye on, and this happens a lot earlier then game time is you keep your eye on injuries, right? right? So if we know that uh, Bam Adebayo is potentially out, well, you're going to have to consider that and what he means to the team and uh, how that would affect the total. Uh, much like, you know, Chris Middleton, if he's not going to be playing, which we already know that, uh, you know, keep that in mind, not only for the game itself, but, you know, when you look at first half wagering alley, that plays into it even more. Yeah. No, I'm right with you on that. Usually the NBA is tough because sometimes I see such a high over 240. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this, <laughs> especially when it comes to the playoffs, because teams do tend to button up on defense. We see, and I, I hate to say it about the NBA, but we do see teams play more lax in the regular season on defense. But you have a team like the Celtics too, when it comes to the postseason, they show how good of a defensive team they are and they do come together. So I tend to stay away from totals a lot in the NBA. I love them in college basketball, but the NBA it's that's, it's such, it's so tough. It's so tough. And you don't have the free throws with as, as prevalent in, in college basketball as you do in the NBA in the final two minutes. So I'm one that I usually stay away from the total. I take the spread. I'm a spread better. I'm a series better. And we'll get into a few more additional tips. One thing I like to do, is I mentioned before, when a team is down 0-2 and they have game three at home, I usually love betting on that team. What about you? 
not, not only do I love betting on that team, I love, again, I look at that first half. The first half is where you're going to see max, max 100% effort. And so that's where I really would position, like, for example, you know, even, even if we had Bam at a bio playing for Miami, I keep going back to that series, <laughs> probably because I'm looking at the number and right. it's starting to shrink. Uh, Miami Heat are one point favorite for the game, but the Hawks are one and a half point favorite in the first half. Really weird anomaly, but it's true. They're going to come out and they're going to put in every single last ounce of blood, sweat, and tears into them to try and, you know, make this a series. So it's the home team you want to definitely back on, you know, in, in the series as they return without a doubt. For me, first half more than the game. Yeah. And another thing I love betting is, if you have a team that goes a full seven game series and they take on a team, you know, two days later, I fade them. I totally fade them because it's hard to come from a grueling seven game series and then have to travel and take on a team that has had what, maybe three, four days rest as opposed to one, one and a half. What do you think of that? The fatigue is real, Ali. Absolutely correct. And I'm, I'm agree with you hundred percent. Totally. Any other tips you have? Well, look, Again, we looked at some of the things where, you know, what's your risk tolerance? You might want to take a look at a series price and say, wow, well, without a doubt, they're definitely going to win this series. I'll go ahead and lay that 250 or 280 or 300 or 400. Look, where we know an injury could happen at any moment because we've already seen it just, you know, two games into the series with key injuries across the NBA sphere don't lay such a heavy, heavy number. If you're looking at something beyond 135, even minus 140, tread very, very lightly. Make that unit count uh, significantly less just because you can see uh, one key injury could you know, blow up your entire, your, your entire ticket right there. Yeah, totally agree with that one too. But another hour has come to a close. I can't believe it. Wow. Just, I don't even know. We just, uh, we were at like the half hour mark and we weren't even out of the Eastern Conference Finals. (laughs) I was like, we got to speed this up a little bit. We always have so much to talk about, but we will give you a quick preview of next week's episode. We will still be talking about the NBA Finals, uh, playoffs, excuse me. But I do want to talk a lot about the NFL draft. I do love the draft. I do bet on the draft, believe it or not. At least just the first round, just the first round. But I do want to talk about some odds, and I know Robert will have all those ready for me. But we will have you covered. We'll be back Wednesday next week. I know we took a a little bit of a shift and had a Thursday episode. But we will be back on Wednesday and give you a full preview of the NFL draft. Um, Before I cue off, uh, Robert, any last words? Uh, Go ahead and take every single Derek Stingley prop you could find. (laughs) And uh, stay sharp, everybody. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.